You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast. And here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. And my guest today is somebody who I've wanted to get on the podcast for a long time. I'm a big fan. He is the voice of the Butler basket of the Butler men's basketball team. He is Mark Minner. Mark, welcome. I'm a huge fan. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Stuart, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. I want to start with this. After I ask all my my broadcasting guests this, and because we all have them, you know, when I started off, my the voices of my childhood were were Bob Lamy, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, and Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. Who were the voices of your childhood that kind of, you know, really got you into to sports or sports broadcasting? Yeah, it's a great question. It feels like it's it's kind of endless, right? You know, you know, there's Stuart, there's always a couple that are that are right there, but there's so many voices that um, have impacted your life. I grew up a White Sox fan, John Rooney, uh, and and with the Cubs, you had Pat Hughes, you had good baseball broadcasters growing up. Uh, Jeff Joniak for the Bears were like local radio uh, voices in the Chicago suburbs, but you know, also I think there have been so many national broadcasters as well that I've aspired uh, to be more like Dan Shulman's, somebody who I've really respected for a long period of time. Obviously, on the TV side, you've got great voices like Jim Nance and and uh, Joe Buck and other national voices out there. But I'll tell you this: I, I at, at, when I was at Butler, I had the chance to work with and learn from Brandon Gauden, who. Uh, as you know, is uh, just a really tremendous talent. And so being able to spend a few years with him uh, in those college years was really, really impactful for for my life. But growing up, it was a lot of Chicago radio and, and TV voices. Yeah, for sure. You know, we'll, I, we'll go to the Brandon Godden thing, and then we'll circle back to some of my other questions that I had. Brandon's a friend of the podcast. He's been on before. He'll be back on actually next week in December. Um I'm a big fan of Brandon as well. Kind of talk about your relationship with Brandon. Do you guys still chat daily or, or weekly or often or, or how's that going? Especially, you know, he just got that gig in, in Atlanta where he was all over the place for the Braves. You know, they play their 180 games a year or whatever it is that they play. So how, how's the relationship with Brandon and, and how's he helped you in your time as the Butler, as the men, as the voice of the Butler basketball team? Well, I can't think of a more impactful person from a broadcasting perspective for me than uh, than Brandon. Brandon, when I was in school, Brandon got the opportunity to be the play-by-play voice. And so uh, as he was transitioning to take over from Joe Gentry, who has also been impactful for me, he was prior voice of the Bulldogs. I- I'd say this, Brandon uh, came in, gave me the opportunity to work with him on the broadcast. After he left and made the decision to go to Georgia Tech, he was instrumental in uh, both encouraging, supporting, and uh, helping me get the opportunity to do the radio. And throughout that time, uh, I would call him uh, an incredible friend, a dear friend. We stay in touch, maybe not daily or weekly, but uh, but uh, quite often, especially during basketball season. Anytime he's in, in town here in Indy, we get a chance to get together and, and catch up. And I did get a chance to go down to one of the Braves games this year and spend time with him and visit with him and Jeff up in the booth and watch a little bit of that ball game up there. The The cool thing for me about Brandon, aside from his mentorship and, and obviously just his incredible talent, that's somebody who has maintained a level of humility 
that is rarely seen in any profession, let alone a very visible one like a broadcaster. And it was really cool to think about first time I met Brandon and knowing how talented he was, but being in a little bit of a, a smaller platform as just a, an individual broadcaster for a team and seeing now the national work that he's done, the Madden work, and, and ultimately now the TV voice of the Braves. And when he was leaving the ballpark and we were getting a chance to, to walk out of there, Stuart, he, every single person that was a Braves fan kept coming up to him, wanting a picture, wanting to tell him about how much they enjoyed his work. And he sat there, signed autographs, and, and was just the, the most kind person to every single fan that walked by. And that's the Brandon God you, you know and love. It's not just about who he, uh, he, who he is on air, meaning how talented he is, but off air, he's just a world-class human being. I've been fortunate to get to know him. Yeah, when I – the first interview I did with him, I did it last year. And he was very generous with his time. I think I told him it was an hour or 30 minutes to an hour is what we would go. And I think we went almost an hour and a half just because we had so much to talk about. And it was so fun. But yeah, I love Brandon as well. He'll be back on next week. So I'm excited to have him on and, and you as well. I want to talk about this because you work for, and you can correct me if I'm, if I mess up the title, but you work for first fun financial right as well uh well the first person was the legacy company we had and 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 uh and nfp is now the the company that's that's acquired we've been a part of but yeah how's, yeah have separate job how's that work or how's how do you balance i guess trying to do two careers one of them you know requires you to go on the road as much as as butler basketball does and the other one maybe not as much but how do you how do you continue to build both careers at the same time and and give your best and be just as great at at your other places you are here being the play-by-play voice it's it's interesting it, it's now let's see my 11th year doing both of these uh roles so it's been it's been something that's become a little bit more normal over time um as as you've gotten into it i, I think there's a couple key things to that. Number one is I thoroughly love and enjoy the opportunity to work in both worlds. One's not a drain. One's not happy. To, I mean, I, I love both. So first off, you have energy when you get to, to do both of those. Number two, you've got an awesome team of people in both environments that as you know, with planning and with, with um, the, the right communication, you can make both of them work because of all the amazing people that you get to work with professionally in business, as well as at Butler and as part of our broadcast uh, with, with the Bulldogs. And, and I think the other thing is that from a purely scheduling perspective, most games are in the evening. The way that Butler travels now is very efficient with uh, chartered aircraft. And, and, and so you're able to get back the night after the game. And to be honest, even starting out, it, you know, there, there are a lot of things you try to learn and, and how to balance, but uh, nowadays, with the virtual nature, just as we're talking and through here on on Zoom, the opportunity to be able to stay connected uh, the day of the game, right after the game, and being able to to not miss a beat through technology makes it a lot more uh, uh, possible. Makes it more possible to do without without really missing anything. But I would be uh, remiss not to say that it's due to the fact that I get to work with really good people and. Uh, I, I enjoy both worlds immensely. Yeah, because, well, I don't think what people understand, like everyone, 
who gets into this business, who gets into broadcasting, who wants to do play-by-play, they think of guys like we've mentioned, you know, Nance and Buck and Allen or Michaels, I mean, and they think of, of Gus Johnson and they're like, oh, there's so much money or there's so much this or that to be made. And it's like at that level, sure. But when you're doing the division, you know, some of these smaller division one schools or you're doing some of these other things, you know, you may need a second job, which I think is something that doesn't get talked about as much in our in our career when you make this the switch into this field is, you know, everyone talks about the bigger guys, but they don't talk about the fact of of guys like you who are doing two careers and you you love both of them. And that's the good thing. But there's some people out there who who have to do two careers because, you know, they're trying to do what they love, which is play by play while also trying to make ends meet as well. So, you know, I do think to see somebody like you who is successful in both ends is very, you know, inspiring for young broadcasters in 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 my opinion. I want to fast forward to this because you talked about it a little bit. Brandon Godden invited you onto the rate, you know, onto the radio station while he was there. You guys did work together while while he was there. He had the chance to call back to back national championships. You were on those broadcasts with him. As a young and upcoming broadcaster, how instrumental was those, were those broadcasts and those runs for Butler in to what has led to your career now and, and kind of built what you, where you're at now? Yeah, it, it's it's really it's even harder to to believe when you look back at it, Stuart. You know the the when you're in college and you're at a school like Butler, which has a great reputation, a great history and tradition of basketball, but not necessarily on that national stage. It had been building over the prior 10, 15 years, right? Since Barry Collier got there. And, you know, back in the day with Tony Hinkle, you had a lot of, uh, of, of great traditions, but to be able to go to back-to-back final fours and national championship games, one of those being in India, in Indianapolis against Duke, it is almost impossible when you're in the moment to realize how special that is, but you gain a little bit of perspective as time goes on. Uh, those were remarkable runs for me as a student at those those opportunities to watch Joe Gentry call one, to watch Brandon Godden call one, and to be able to see how they approached those broadcasts, how they tried to capture the moment that was taking Butler to new heights. And as you know, in, the, in those March runs, it's magical. The eyeballs of every sports fan, every average sports fan, not even, you know, the diehards, right? Everybody's filling out brackets. Everybody's tracking these runs. Special memories are made in in March. And for Butler, certainly it changed the profile of the school in so many different ways. And so as a broadcaster, one of the unique opportunities that I got exposed to was the idea that you have the opportunity to be able, and the honor and the responsibility to be able to capture what's going on there, to be able to tell the story of that team and some of those really, really important moments, not just in the final shot moment, but also in all of those games and 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 all of the contests leading up to that. And and that is something that I have truly um, I have such gratitude for the opportunity to have done this for more than a decade with Butler is to be able to tell that story, capture the sentiment of the fans, the players, the coaches, the former players, everybody that comes and tell the stories that uh, make college sports and, and college basketball so special. So. I think they did a remarkable job being able to rise to the moment that was met. And Brandon Godden, obviously, continued to tell really, really special stories with Butler, the Gonzaga game, and that final season he called, but uh, has gone on to tell some remarkable stories 
in the, in the last 10 years after his time at, at Butler. So I, I learned so much of how to be able to continue to, you know, to, to play to a standard every broadcast, whether it's an exhibition game or the national championship, but, but how important in the gravity of being able to represent the school and, and, and connect the fan base to that moment. Um, that's a real honor that broadcasters have. And it was a pleasure to get exposed to that so early on. So I want to take you to one of your calls that you had, you know, fast forward down the lane a little bit. I asked Brandon about his Roosevelt Jones shot. So I'm going to ask you about the, the Kamar Baldwin game winner, I believe versus Xavier. Um, it, it made its way on the ESPN and all those types of things. And everybody talks about it. just in that moment, kind of lead me up to, you know, kind of walk me through the moments leading up to that shot because I remember it and I was going nuts when it happened. But to just be there and to watch something like that happen, especially with that team that I felt like was was a very special team with with Keenan out or Tamar Baldwin. And then there were other players on that team as well that were very good. You have McDermott on there. Just talk about some of the, you know, with Kamar, the way he was able to that that shot and the moments that led up to that shot. Well, you know, interestingly, Kamar had backed kind of back-to-back-ish game winners, not literally next to the, you know, the, the two games in a row, but he had one to end what would then be his final game at, uh, at Butler. He had a buzzer, buzzer beater at Xavier. And the yeah. one I think you're referencing is, is Villanova at home in January. Yes, and, and, he, and, and I'll tell you this, Stuart, that game and that season were really, really special. The, that was a, you mentioned it there, McDermott, uh, Kamar, you had a Henry Badley, Derek Smiths had transferred in. You had a, a veteran group. You had some had great Keelan left already. Yeah. So you had, you had Kamar kind of stepped up into this role. You had returners, Aaron Tom, you had a bunch of these, these uh, players that were playing really important roles for the Bulldogs, but Kamar had hit a lot of game winners or game winning plays, not necessarily buzzer beaters leading up to that, that season. And that was a special group. That was a group that was headed for a four seed, five seed in the NCAA tournament. They were really, really talented and a year that ended up getting thwarted by the pandemic in March. And that was a, a sad conclusion to a really special team. But looking back on that with hindsight, those moments capturing that group that didn't get the opportunity to go play in March, I'm really glad they had those kind of extraordinary moments. And that particular game was interesting because you had a ranked Villanova team coming into Hinkle Fieldhouse. There was extra juice. Those are Villanova teams that are national championship contenders during that, that, that era. And uh, that game actually almost didn't end that way because there was a rain delay in the middle of the game. The first time I've ever seen that there was a leak in the roof at Hinkle Fieldhouse, And there was about a 20, 25 minute delay in that game. And they had to, there was a bucket up there. They were trying to figure out how to collect the water. It was about five minutes away from getting scratched. The officials were going to cancel it because it couldn't stop leaking on the floor. And so with the oddness of that game and the tension in the building, packed sellout crowd for that game to end the way it did with a Kamar three-pointer, you know, buzzer beater, court, uh, court storming was just so special. And I think it was in hindsight, just even more impactful that those guys had that opportunity to get a, a buzzer beater at home and win a dramatic ranked victory like that because of what didn't end up happening in March, but certainly a special opportunity. And it was, those are the moments you, you love Stuart, right? The opportunity to try and capture or put, put some uh, captions on, on the, 
the players and, and the coaches and the fans that have that experience inside the field house. Oh, I completely agree. I remember that shot. I was sitting in my wife now, but my girlfriend's apartment watching the game. And Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. And her <laughs> friend and everybody, her roommate was in there and I, you know how fans are. I start yelling when he hits a shot. They come running out like, "What's wrong?" I was like, "We won, we won." They were like, "What?" I was like, "Kamar hit the shot." And they were like, "Oh, sports." I was like, "Yeah," but my, my wife's a big sports fan, but I don't think her roommates got it. But I'll tell you a funny story as well because I had a I was at a rain delay as well for a basketball game. My dad won tickets in 2018 to go watch the Pacers play in New Orleans, and uh, we got all expenses paid, all this type of stuff. He won it through Menards. And when we went, so we went and it had been raining all day and we got there and they had put a blue, one of those blue tarps over the roof, trying to collect the water, but it had filled up. The leak was so bad. The tarp had filled up. It was running off of both sides and onto the court. And they had to cancel the Pacers game because they couldn't play down in new Orleans. So that was, that was my experience with the rain delay. So I had something similar, just, not here at home yeah. <laughs> in, in Indiana. That's awesome. Uh, I want to talk about your, some of your favorite calls. What were, what are some of your favorite your favorite calls and some of your favorite things to that when you look back on some of the calls besides the Kamar Baldwin one that you've made? Because you know I've had a like I said I've had Brandon on here. I've talked to Brandon about you know the the roosevelt jones shot and then i've also talked to roosevelt i've had him on the podcast and talked about you know his his view of the shot as well what are some of those shots or or not even shots but just moments that live in your your mind forever well it's interesting because i i do think you're right i mean there's there's always those game-winning type kamar shots or whatever where, where those stand out on its own as i think about moments in broadcasting with Butler that I've really enjoyed over the last uh, decade or so. I, I think there's, there's a couple things that come to mind. Number one is getting a chance to call a game in Hinkle. As I said, whether it's the exhibition number one or ranked coming in chance to win a big game. It doesn't really matter. I, I feel so fortunate every time that ball gets tipped Every time there's energy inside the field house, I love it. And actually, part of my favorite moments calling games at Butler are moments where you have a big run, maybe a steal into a three, into a timeout or something like that, where Hinkle just gets so loud. Fans are losing it. Players are hyped up. And just knowing momentum shifts in games or, or things like that, where there's just big plays, I love stuff like that. Sun shining through on a Saturday afternoon. I love that. I also feel like I've been really grateful to call games in Madison Square Garden where the Big East, you know, growing up, I don't know about you, Stuart, but the Big East tournament was a huge part of my viewing experience. I loved that event and I loved the nature and the tradition and the intensity of those tournament games. And so to be able to tell Butler's story in those events, well, I haven't won one. I'm dreaming about the day that for those guys, they can get that done in uh, in the Mecca to be able to to sit courtside and call games there is a is a fantastic experience. So to me, it's it's obviously game winning shots are 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 fun and and those things are really important. I love the 
I love the individual plays. I love the atmospheres, the experiences where you get to call games and the the mix of things you might have grown up loving and the things you might be personally passionate about. You get to communicate those moments to a broader audience. And and that's the stuff I that just brings a smile to my eyes and or my face. And I I I love the uh, ability to sit there and, and get to tell those stories. I feel very fortunate. Yeah, calling the game in Hinkle would be amazing. I could only imagine. Um, I got two more questions for you. Yeah. And then, then you know, I'll let you go throughout your day. First one being, I used to argue, and maybe it's kind of taken a little bit of a back step, but I, I want to I want to hear from you from somebody who who's in that atmosphere. I used to argue that the Big East was the most competitive basketball conference in the country. And everyone would say, well, it's college basketball. Anybody can beat anybody on any, any given day. But I go back and I think about, like we talked about Butler beating, you know, Kamar beating Villanova and Butler beating Xavier and some of those bigger teams. And then you would have St. John's, who at the time wasn't maybe the best team in the conference, beating Villanova yep. the next week, who was the number one ranked team in the country. I still think there's an argument that the Big East is the deepest and most, you know, I, I don't want to say talented because I don't want to say the other teams aren't, the other conferences aren't talented, but the deepest and most talented conference in all of college basketball what are your thoughts on, on that statement? And, and do you agree or, or disagree or, or am I close to, to being right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I, I think there's a little bit of bias for me. I'll, I'll say this. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll preface that a little bit of bias because you get to see it, right? You get to feel it. You get to see it night in, night out. When the Big East got reshaped in 2013, there were a lot of questions a basketball-only conference, you lose some of the bigger-name schools, you know, Syracuse, you think about former Big East, big-time basketball, you retain some of the big-name schools, your Georgetowns, your St. John's, uh, your Villanova's, and then you add in these other schools, Butler, Xavier, Creighton. How does that all play together, right? That's kind of the question. Does this end up being a a noble exercise, but it doesn't work? Or is this end up being like a super big basketball conference? You look at the results and it would tell you that this conference is as good as it gets. When you look at the production of championship winners with Villanova, a couple of national titles, UConn last year in that space, Marquette was a final four team a season ago. Look at the coaches that are in this conference this year from Rick Pitino, to Thad Mata, to Shaka Smart, to Ed Cooley, to Sean Miller, to, you know, go down the list of these, uh, you, you know, programs and who's leading them, the talent, the support. And I would say this, if you look at the actual numbers of it, DePaul has, has struggled over time during this tenure. Uh, Butler's had a couple down years here from a results missing the, the tournament. But outside of that, like your your team that struggles, Georgetown, right? Under Patrick, I mean, Georgetown's one of the most winningest programs ever, right? In college basketball, this big, iconic brand, well-funded. And they're going to figure their stuff out with Ed Cooley. It's a matter of time. But outside of that, you've just got such high-level basketball. What Creighton's brought to the conference. You know, Xavier ha has brought NCAA tournaments to the, to the conference. And then you factor in... Keaton Hall and what, 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 you know, yeah, exactly. Yet, uh, you know, Villanova is going to reload here and, and figure their, their stuff out. 
Providence has been a, an NCAA tournament consistency under Ed Cooley and Kim English looks to continue to build on that tradition. So you've got really good, good things. But I think above all else for me, Stuart, the, the basketball only nature of this is a, is a lot of fun. Yeah. Every game you go into these visiting arenas, their fan bases are locked in on basketball. Schools might have football teams, Butler has a football team, Villanova has a football team, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of the way the conference is aligned and the conference is geared toward basketball, because there's not football in the conference, it it is just wicked fun to be able to go into these environments. And now you see six, seven teams out of 10 teams or 11 teams in the conference making the NCAA tournament and and, and making runs in the tournament. Uh, it's fun, been fun talking to Thad Mata, who's obviously been a Big Ten guy, first time at Ohio State and he comes in he's like I mean I knew the Big East but there's a difference between knowing the Big East and coaching in the Big East and when you get in there night out night in night out and see the, the level of comp- competition and talent and just the the physical grind that the conference is in in those arenas it's it's a ton of fun uh, easier for me to call the game than play in the game I can tell you that oh for sure for sure <laughs> one, one final question I'll let you get on your way um and I'm not going to ask you to comment on these, but I, I, my question for you is this: you through your time there as, as you know, working with Brandon Godden, and then also being the voice of of Butler basketball, you've you've gone through some different coaching changes, whether it be from Holtman to Laval Jordan or Laval Jordan to you know Thad Mata, where we're at now. When it comes to coaching changes and and, and when coaches change. How do you go about building that relationship with that new coach that comes in? That's a great question. It's a great question. I will say one of the things you mentioned, Brandon, that I've been grateful for is I get to call games with one of my best friends in Nick Gardner, who's done it 18 years. And Nick and I, um, it's just like a, a, a brother, right? When you get to travel around and the fact that you get to call games together with, with such a great friend, I'm incredibly lucky. He's unbelievably talented and I've, really appreciated that consistency that makes it a lot of fun throughout the years when it comes to the coaching changes and, and the different staffs, I've, I've also been really lucky Stuart, you know, Butler from the leadership on down with Jim Danko and Barry Collier and, and the supporters and the, the fans have been so welcoming, even though I went to the school to be able to come in and, and tell this story and, and to be the bride, you feel like part of the family and that extends to the coaches. If you think about from Brad's from working on the broadcast from Brad Stevens to Brandon Miller to Chris Holtman to Laval Jordan to Thad Mata, you've worked with some really really high level talented people, and everybody's style's a little different. The family nature, the Butler nature, is the exact same. We're welcomed in the same way. We're treated with respect the same way. We're part of the extended family the same way, and that that has made it really really enjoyable. Meaning. Uh, being able to join the team at uh, meals and 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 practices and film sessions, stuff like that. So being able to get exposed to those types of things has been really, really fortunate. But part of the relationship building is there's there's an element that we we're fortunate enough to get at the outset. we're 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 gifted some relational trust. But you got to earn that over a period of time. And part of that is making sure that you understand what's your role, not to, get out of sorts and and try and uh, overstep your your space within the broadcast side but also um you know to be a, a trusted um member of that 
community, right? You're, you're not on the team. You're not a coach. You're not part of that. You're a broadcaster. You've got your own independence around that, but you are uh, hired and, and uh, part of the Butler um, uh, side of that broadcast, right? And so being able to understand where are ways that in road trips or environments, you get the opportunity to engage, to build relationships, to talk, to get to know, just like anything in life. But um, the other part of that is there's ups and downs. Um, you, you you get to see over the last 11 years when you're playing for national championships and things are really good. You get to see when you're losing tough home games or when you're going through a losing stretch on the road and things are a little tougher. Uh, you get to see the ups and the downs. And I think making sure that uh, there's consistency and uh, that you're doing everything you can to continue to build and maintain trust with each coach along the way in the style that they manage and and they lead. Some people want a, a high level of you know more interactions. Some people want a little less interaction. Some people uh, have certain personalities and different. But at the end of the day, we've been fortunate because we we all these coaches have been awesome. Right, they're all incredible people first and foremost, and I'd be happy to have any future children play for any of them, uh, which would, which is really cool. And um, they've given us respect and, and we just try to continue to maintain and build upon that each and every day. And uh, it's not done by just flipping a light switch. It's done by a lot of conversations, a lot of road games, a lot of uh, ups and downs and continuing to maintain a consistency around how you approach those, those interactions. So one more. I, I, by the way, on the, on, the, on the business side, I've learned a lot from watching different coaching styles and different coaching styles lead different team members. And there's a lot of applicability back to life and how you watch people go through that uh, in that team environment that I have really just enjoyed learning. So I've, I've been really, really grateful, Stuart. I didn't even think about that part. That's a good, that's a good point. Hey, big thank you, Mark, for doing this. I'm a big fan. I listen to you and Nick. As much as I can, if if I'm if I'm on the road, which sometimes most of the time I am, I'll I'll, turn, I'll throw on TuneIn Radio and I'll listen to you guys because I don't live in the uh, the Butler market. But I'm a big fan, so thank you for doing this. It was it you were one of the the bucket list guests I wanted to have on, so I can I can check that off. Uh, big thank you. Good luck on Thursday. Butler plays Texas Tech. Have a good broadcast. I hope Butler wins. And uh, just a big thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Stuart, you're very kind. Um, look forward to coming back, and uh, and I appreciate uh, you reaching out, and appreciate you you listening along the way. So, congrats on the on the podcast, and uh, uh, appreciate you having me on. Of course, thank you. Hey, for those of you listening at home, please like and share, um, and help this podcast grow the best you can. Have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is. You have a good one, and I will see you next week.